now. Brought to you by Olive Tree Bible Software. Read, study, anywhere. www.olivetree.com Coming to you live, but not really live, from Gut Check World Headquarters in the capital city of a boxing glove-shaped state and Gut Check South Command, deep in the belly button above the buckle of the Bible belt, it's the Gut Check Podcast with your hosts, Ted Cluck and Zach Bartles. Hey, welcome to the Gut Check Podcast. I am Ted Cluck, joined as always by my good friend and my partner in, in radio, Zachary Bartles. Um, Zach, we have uh, we have an exciting episode on tap in that if we can make all this technology work, um, it's a lot. You know, the entertainment business is complicated. I don't want to bog people down with it, but there may be a way to get uh, the great Cliff Graham onto the program today. Um, which is It's an exciting new world we're living in. <laughs> it really is, baby. And uh, you know what else is exciting? We are in we are in talks with Cliff Graham's people about all of us potentially going to Israel with Cliff, where I assume we'll be hunted as human prey, and where I assume <laughs> we we could be hunted in some of the self same you know caves and 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 sort of geographic features where uh, where King David was hunted. It was actually on the flyer that said uh, that you can be hunted in precisely the same way to the point where if you go into a cave and like poop, um, someone will come yeah, in and cut yeah. the corner of your garment off. Uh, and Cliff will. That, that's part of the deal. I don't want anyone cutting my garments while I poop except Cliff. <laughs> that is one of the Maybe weirdest Bible kids. stories, is it not? Dude, it's a really strange Bible story. It really, really is. But – I'm uh, I'm excited about the fact that we may be able to recreate that, man. We may be able to live that very thing in Israel. And um, I, I know I've never been uh, to the Holy Land. You you haven't as well, I I, I have not, and I have always wanted to go. Here's the thing. I had always assumed it would have to be like when my wife and I were older and the kid was out of the house and college was behind us and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's kind of when I assumed it would be for us too, man. One of those like, you know, we're all like gray-haired and... and uh, kind of affluent and old and, and we're sort of getting off a bus with a bunch of other people who are in the same boat and like <laughs> some some guy from our church who like adjuncts at the university would be leading the tour. You yeah, know what but I mean? he doesn't know what he's doing. He's just kind of like, oh, yeah, yeah, they said I could go for free if I got 97 people to come. And then, yeah, and, and exactly. then we would be led into, you know, some kind of death trap or something. Instead, we're going with Cliff and Jeff, that awesome guy I told you about, that like hardcore guy I told you about that was in San Antonio. He's yeah. like running security. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm I'm not fully excited about that guy, man, because I feel, you know, like all these guys are, are infringing upon, you know, sort of a, a friendship space that should be just reserved for you and me. But dude, no, you're going to love this Jeff, guy. Man. You're going to love him. Dude, I'm thrilled. Hold on. Is Cliff in? Cliff, are you there? I see a little. Hello? I see a little square that says I Cliff see Cliff's Graham, like menacing face up on the screen. I don't see the menacing face. Describe it for it me. It says two in call now, though. Uh, he looks like uh, I'll be your friend unless you cross me, and then I'll be your you know your executor. Um, and then I'll cut part of your garment off in a cave while you poop. <laughs> is that what it says? The image, kind you of. You know, it's not in so many words, but you know, a picture is worth a thousand words. It's going up. Are you hearing that? Yeah, and it keeps saying call failed. Dude, is there yeah. anything that Cliff can't do by sheer like like brute force and 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 force of will? Joining this yeah. call apparently is one thing that he can't do. <laughs> it's like how you know syphilis finally got Capone. Uh, yeah, well, and now his face is gone entirely. <laughs> Never mind. Carry on. 
carry on with the former discussion. And I'm still hearing that oh. weird, like, like the Casio phone doing the, the pulse. Are you yeah. still hearing that, too? I miss that sound. Yeah, though. you know? Baby, you know what I equate that sound with? What's that? I was a subscriber to Sports Illustrated when I was a kid. Yeah. And you they the always gave me these phone? great, like, premium. I got the little football phone, uh-huh. and it made that sound. Yes. It was a cheap little phone. It was, it was trash, and it broke after, like, two weeks. You should have kept but it I, anyway because you could probably sell it on eBay now for like. Oh, dude, I know what I wouldn't give to have it, man. I'd keep it. I'd hang on to it now, but alas, it's gone. Um, as is Cliff Graham, apparently. So I, I think Zach, <laughs> being a man of letters, um, and his text I'm on. Says, you guys there? Oh, Cliff! <laughs> All right, so let me yes. just. I I, I want to cut the pleasantries and jump right into this. I want you to confirm or deny that part of. Any package deal with Cliff Graham, good battle tours going into the Holy Land, involves you sneaking into a cave while the the, uh, tourist is pooping and cutting off the corner of their garment. (laughs) That doesn't happen. I'm not going. Zach, that was told to you in confidence, so I'm not sure that... That's not on the official website in brochures. That's a that's sort of an extra for certain people. It, it, it was thought to be less than um, couth, if you will, to put that on day four of the itinerary on the public website. But I can neither confirm nor deny that that will happen while we were there. Day so. four is a good day for that. After we kind of know each other, you know. Yeah, you you need that first travel day. Everyone's a little little, little I almost said hungover. Hopefully not hungover. <laughs> um, you know, everyone's a little uh, jet lagged. You know, when you're traveling a lot, jet lagged. Jet, thank you, thank you. Yeah. Um, jet lagged, and you're you know you're in a foreign country. You don't know these people. It's it seems appropriate to wait a good forty eight hours at least before you stab them while they're in the in the toilet facilities. So it, absolutely, guys, I will tell you if if the garment gets cut off in that way, and then I find out, hey, while you were pooping, I came in and cut this off. It would only be the third weirdest thing to happen to me on a trip with Cliff Graham. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, there's there's a, there's rapidly a, a roster. Yeah, so we have Cliff Graham on on the line from Israel. It sounds like it was uh, it was it was kind of a trick to uh, to, to get him on but because of the magic and the miracle of technology. We've added a third person uh, to our show today to our program. We've got about 20 minutes, Cliff and um, Zach and I are both super stoked about this trip, man, and we're stoked about um, the prospect of going to see Israel with you. So. Um, why don't you lay out for the listeners what you're doing, man, kind of what the vision for the trip is, um, and then let people know how they can be involved. I, I appreciate it. And uh, as far as joining you from Israel, I'm looking out my window, and Israel looks suspiciously like northern Utah right now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've heard that some, about it. With some snow and um, ski resorts in the distance and, you know, that sort of thing. So I'll, I'll keep that in mind. Now, we're going to be doing um, these trips next year that that I've, I've always just had this vision to see people come over there and i think people have it in their heads that it's just this you know the trip is filled with people who are all 70 and over and um, kind of grouchy all the time and, and i just wanted to see this this uh come to life where people more you know more early in life as well as those later in life get a chance to to encounter the land over there i think for me it was it was important because i grew up in the church as a pastor's kid and I worked in ministry and, and it was all, it was kind of like describing middle earth to me when I would read the Bible. I'd be mm. like, Oh, there's this fantasy land over there that 
and, and I didn't I didn't have tangible things to look at or think about or recollect when I would read the Bible. And so um, someone gifted to me my first trip over there um, some years ago, and, and it just profoundly changed my life. And it really, I got a whole career out of the deal. I started writing books about the Bible and all that. And so it, it just was it was so profound to see it. And not because, you know, there's the rocks are holy and breathe on you and you have all these blessings. I mean, it's nothing like that. It's just the fact that you're you can you know, I can take you to a spot and say, this is where David's palace is. You know, I could take you to another spot and say that that valley right there is where he cut off Goliath's head. I can take you to, you know, this hilltop and say, we think this is where Jesus gave this message. And, you know, it's, it's all these things that when you're when you, you compile them all together and you look at it, you realize that that these events actually happened. Um, and, and it's not just some made up fantasy land over there. So I, I had that vision. I want to see it happen. Um, but it's just the cost is so out of reach for most normal people, which is why, you know, the retirement crowd get, gets over there. Mm-hmm. You know, you're, you're looking at five or six grand a person to, to go over there with, with these companies. And so I, I worked and worked and worked on how to get that lower. And we were able to get it lowered, but still just couldn't get it low enough for, you know, the new seminary guy in, or, mm-hmm. or someone who's just like he's fresh out of college or he's early in his career um, wants to do it. It could, it could be helpful in shaping his outlook on stuff, but just can't afford it. And so we realized that there wasn't going to it wasn't going to be possible to do it to where you get a cost so low that it's it's within reach for people that are um, that are at that age. And so I said, well, what if we just start subsidizing these spots out of our you know I have marketing promotion budget and outside financing? We, we put together a package deal where, in exchange for people you know being willing to to say nice things about me, I'll go ahead and throw that out there and uh, promote my work and, and talk about what we're up to. You know, we can subsidize their spots out uh, out to Israel. And, and like I said, there's no contract of, you know, you've got to mention my name 500 times a year. Nothing like that. It's just I just think naturally what will happen is, is people get over there. They have a great time. It blesses them. And then when they come back, they, you know, people ask them, hey, you were in Israel, I heard. And they say, yeah, there's this guy, Cliff Graham, and his books. So I, I just think that bottom line sounds like a more fun marketing approach than endlessly buying web ads and stuff like that that you guys all know, you know, doesn't work at all. I don't know. All. That's pretty fun. That's pretty fun. <laughs> you know. <laughs> now, Cliff, rumor has it that, uh, that you're going to have several authors on the trip, man. Can you disclose who any of those people are going to be, or is it too early? In- well, I can... Yeah, I can confirm that that one um, Zachary Bartles, author of of modern suspense thrillers, um, he's he's decided to come. There's another author named Ted Cluck that has played a little coy. I'm not sure where he's at in this whole thing. Um, <laughs> Ted Coyfish, but, baby, but, I'm uh, not playing coy at all, man. <laughs> I'm not playing coy at all. We uh, we absolutely <laughs> want to come. Love it. So, uh, I, I yeah. to are a little bit. Um, you know, skittish about sending both of us to Israel at the same time, but we're going to get that worked <laughs> out, man. And, uh, yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be great. No, hundred percent. No. And so, yeah, we have, there's a Connie Kazette. She's another, um, Bethany author that I know she reached out when she saw me talking about this early and said, Oh my goodness, you know, I want to come as well. She writes biblical fiction. She's, she's, you know, talked to it about her. She's got a reader base. And so, um, there's another guy, a buddy of mine named Josh Charles. Um, he, he's just a brilliant scholar. Um, of American history. And then he's, he's become quite an expert on American Israeli relations. Mm-hmm. He wrote a co-authored a, a bestseller with Glenn Beck on um, called the original argument. And um, so anyways, he, he's a, he, he's a, he's going to be a really um, j- just a great guy to have. Hands, I will dump something. There you go. Right. That Glenn Beck song. <laughs> Sorry. Go ahead. I, I think so. That was yeah, rude of me. It. No, you like to break out in song. We, we love that about you. We, we love that. <laughs> um, so yeah, so he'll, he'll be there to give lectures on site about kind of the modern side and, and the theme of the trip. 
in particular is, is and I love this because there are people who are signing up that are in their 70s, and, and that's awesome. There are people that are you know, college students, 18, 19, 20 years old. Um, mm. the, the idea behind this is instead of just kind of this, um, I guess, you know, let me throw this at you. When you think of an Israel tour, what do you normally think of, right? I mean, it's people that kind of float from one location to the next, and um, yeah. I don't know, it just has a soft softness to it. And it's all very meditation based. And, and again, that's all fine. There's moments are there. But I just always envisioned it as a, you know, this is a land that was forged and shaped and continues to be forged and shaped by combat. And so to, to really take a deep dive and look at all the wars that took place both in ancient times and in modern times, you know, it, it'll it'll change your perspective when, you know, we can go to a certain turn in a certain valley and I can say, OK, this spot right here is where this biblical character held off these hordes. And then in the 1948 war, this happened with a tank. I mean, where you're talking about three millennia of history in one spot continually being fought over again and again and again and again and again. Um, it just, again, it, it bridges the gap really well. You can sit there and think, gosh, David had to hold this pass against Philistines and modern Israel has to hold it against the Egyptians and the you know, Yom Kippur war. It, things like that that just come out and, and just um, it's, it's a very interesting juxtaposition of the ancient and the modern so i wanted it to be themed and focused on the battles we're going to have guides that are idf veterans israeli defense forces veterans we also want to look at it from the the palestinian side it's not um going to be a politically driven tour we want to just i want to help people just understand the conflict and why everyone hates each other over there um (laughs) to say that as mildly as possible (laughs) and then and then understanding too that with with that comes you know it's it's a land of, of beauty and power and, and great restlessness. And I think you know, guys like you guys that are creative and, um, you know, you're writers, it'll be, it'll be good fruit for you. Now, Cliff, talk about, uh, just talk about the safety aspect, man. I mean, so much is, uh, you know, said and, and written about that part of the world. And I've, I've traveled a bunch, man. I've traveled overseas a lot. Uh, mm-hmm. I've done a lot in Eastern Europe and Western Europe, but, uh, but, but the Middle East and Israel, that remains kind of a, a mystery to me. And, um, you know, I've heard that it's that it's safe. The tourist areas especially are, are you know, really, really comfortable and really great to be in. What uh, what can we expect on that level? Yeah. Um, if you've been in Eastern Europe, th- that was far more dangerous than this is. Uh, sure. Now, that being said, I wouldn't you know, I wouldn't walk down the streets of some of the contested areas with an I hate Islam T-shirt on <laughs> um, or I hate, you know, or, or there's even certain Orthodox Jewish neighborhoods where, like, I'm not going to walk in there not dressed a certain way <laughs> you're just not allowed in there so so i should have long sleeves to cover my jesus tattoos you're telling me <laughs> yeah you know um so it, it's just one of those things where it the closest thing i can describe for people is is there's just a constant feeling of something could happen mm. but but it doesn't um when yeah. you're in those areas so yeah. um now all that being said i i feel considerably safer you know, bringing my my kids with me on this trip than I do taking the certain parts of L.A. or Chicago or my, oh, you sure. know, yeah. so so I would I would say um, that there's it's certainly an, an issue, but both one thing you had to keep in mind is is that follow the money both both sides whether it's um, the Israelis it's the Palestinian Israelis the Palestinian you know, whoever whichever group you want to talk about they all want to keep tourism coming. Um, at the end of the day, they have jobs that depend on it, their livelihoods. And, and, and there's a little bit of a, a media myth that you just walk down the streets of the old city and people just have a knife out ready to stab each other. And it's, it's not really the case. It's, uh, they, they, they tend to work alongside each other. You know, I, I, I sat in a falafel one time with, you know, I was served by a, um, 
an Arab guy and uh, was uh, you know a Jewish guy was was running the restaurant. So I mean, it's one of those things where they're 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 intermingled over yeah. there enough, um, and so we don't want to walk in there and set off a powder keg. But it is objectively extremely safe. I don't remember the number off the top of my head how many millions of tourists go through there every year without any issue. Um, but it's I, I feel very safe when I'm there. And and I you know I'm bringing my ten year old with me and so I I know that it's a it's a pretty good deal for me. Cliff, Excellent. when I first uh, asked Ted about going, he texted me back, "What are you guys doing doing over there? Gun slash brothel stuff?" <laughs> yeah, I thought it was like a gun brothel thing, man. <laughs> well, guns and brothels is the third tier of what I built my business on. Um, yeah. So so you wouldn't be wrong to. Uh, to, to assume that no, I, yeah, it wouldn't we, be wrong to go there. You know, no, this is this is straightforward. You know, tourism based stuff. Um, we'll we'll have, you know, it, it, again, it'll be a little more aggressive than the typical tourist group is in that we're you know we're going to be going to some places that you don't go to normally when you sign up through some of these agencies. Um, I, I've specifically contracted a tour um, tour company and have gave them you know my my vision for the itinerary as far as I'd like to see this kind of thing. And, and they have done a, just an, a phenomenal job. Jerusalem Tours is the company. They've done a phenomenal job of crafting an itinerary that will, um, that will bring us to these really cool places. So, no, no guns and brothels officially. So What, you, what you're saying is we're not going to keep bumping into the Ray Vanderlaan group like everywhere we go. Like, oh, they, there they are again. <laughs> Dude, that, it's funny you say that, Zach. That's literally like what I picture when I think about an Israel tour, uh-huh. you know what I'm saying? You've seen those videos probably. Yeah. yeah. Vanderlaan in like a, like a loose fitting, like linen shirt, yes. uh, yes. you know, like pointing <laughs> things out. Yeah. Well, there's a, see, cause and I saw there was, I went with a group years ago um, called the Christian Jewish fellowship and it was a, uh, their tour was called live the land. And, and, and I, I loved it because they focused on young people um, and, and they, they, they created it in such a way that it, they, we did the kinds of things that, that younger people like to do, um, you know, swimming in the Red Sea for a day, you know, stuff like that, that you saw all the neat stuff. But I realized uh-huh. there's a way to make this appeal to the, you know, the college, post-college generation, um, get them, get them the meat of what's over here while at the same time, you know, not sitting down for four hour lectures um, in the in the roasting heat kind of thing. So <laughs> exactly. Now, Cliff. Mm-hmm. Uh, did I just hear Joe Thorne's like jacket made out of coins? Did you hear that? I did. I heard, <laughs> I heard something like that. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. I, did, did I do something with metallic? Are you guys hearing something know. weird? We, we were pretty sure that we were talking to Joe Thorne. He had chainmail on, and he's like, "Oh, that's just my jacket." Yeah. And we're like, Wait, "What? What?" Anyway, um, I, I, I'm. I no, have a no, question. It's, it's my throwing knife. It's my throwing knives on my my belt. Maybe I don't know. It's like, <laughs> like, like Danny Trejo. <laughs> there's this. Per, there's this. Yeah, there's this persona that you guys have crafted for me for your listeners that I have, I try every day to live up to. So. Dude, you have to live up to it, man. You got to have some like metal jangling in the background whenever. Oh you're... yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna walk out of here and 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 there's gonna be a, a row of you know philistines, um, a, maybe a, a a lion that needs to be tamed, you know, things like that that I do with my day. That I know that I want you guys to keep believing that that's my day. I really do. So. <laughs> yeah, I, I do more than ever since meeting you, Cliff. <laughs> now that was a uh, granted an extreme environment but yeah i mean that's that's just tuesday for us right so well here's my question related to that your books are all yeah. uh set in the old testament and so i'm wondering is this going to be pretty exclusively old testament sites and that sort of thing or is there going to be some of the jesus stuff in with it or what yeah i say i love that i say the jesus stuff too because I, I think i kind of flippantly throw that out there and i might be offending more people than i realize <laughs> um i say oh yeah yeah We'll go see the Jesus stuff too, but let's get back to the killing. I mean, I, I don't intend for that to be 
the uh, the, the gist. You know, the, the thing about it is, is that it's such a small area that you see everything. Mm. Um, I think people have it in their head. Again, it's like the you know Frodo and the, the hobbits wandering from Mordor to all these thousands of miles. You, you're, you in the same day, you'll see the Dead Sea, you'll see Jerusalem, you'll see the mm. coast, you'll see, I mean, if you were to just drive from spot to spot to spot, you know, Galilee, you could do it all in just one day. I mean, it's, it's that wow. small. So when people ask, are we going to go see all of the, you know, the Jesus sites, I, they're, they're right on top of the Old Testament sites. I mean, it's everywhere. In, in the city of Jerusalem, obviously, you're going to um, more, more of the architectural stuff from the time of Christ is still there. So you'll, it, it's more specifically about um, the, the, the Christ sites, we'll call them. Um, you'll see more of that. But at the same time, you know, you go underneath the city of David, there's got all these digs that are going underground underneath the towns. And you can see remnants of David's palace and, you know, Hezekiah's tunnel, places like that. So in, in the same day, you'll see them both. In, in the Galilee region, you know, we'll spend a couple days there. That's obviously where, where Christ did most of his ministry, Capernaum and all those places. You can go to the actual ruins of the, the town of Capernaum um, that are still there, which is which is pretty incredible because, I, I mean, a lot of the places are all either, either the Orthodox groups have built massive cathedrals on top of the old ruins or they've washed away with time. But, but a few of these places are still there and you can go see them. Um, and then so, yeah. And so we'll go to the David sites, the Joshua Caleb places, and we'll say, hey, that's Mount Nebo. Um, we'll say this is the Jordan. This is Jericho. You can see where they would have tacked across the river that way. I mean, all that stuff will be there, but you're never more than an hour from the other site. So that's why we don't specifically say, you know, list too many sites directly to answer questions. I just kind of say you'll see everything, but we'll be spending time at, you know, some locations more than others. So, Cliff, this has been uh, this has been amazing, man. How do people get in touch with uh, with you in order to book a, a berth on these tours? Yeah, I want to encourage the, you know, you guys have the gut check army that I know is 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 really set to to change the world. And and we want to make sure that that they get a chance to have some face time with you. When I was in the military, we always loved being able to 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 see the general once in a while in the flesh. And so you so <laughs> you powerful. guys being yeah. you you get you guys being the generals and and for everyone listening to the podcast you know, this is your chance to come hang out with Ted, Zach, and myself and, and um, you know, do this at a rate that will be really never seen again because it's not possible. It, it's totally a scam rate. I mean, I, I really <laughs> – when people first hear about it, they're like, oh, that's got to be a scam. It, it makes me wonder if, if I had never met you and we didn't know anything about you, I would be like, yeah, no, no, don't, don't look at that. That's like the calls you get on your cell phone that are like, congratulations, <laughs> you have earned a free – <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. I think, I think, I think the very next line when people write in or inquire, I was like, all right, this is not actually the cost of the trip because I think that's where people, people know better than to assume that, you know, this 10 day tour with airfare and flights and it's, it's subsidized and sponsored is the easiest way I can describe it. They're they're You know, we are, we have booked and reserved all these spots in advance and then people are, you know, are being gifted it for, for sponsoring my work to a certain level. So, I mean, right now there's 750 bucks gets you from New York to Israel and back hotels, air. Um, there's different tiers of involvement depending on what kinds of stuff you want to do. But, but that's the deal of a lifetime. It was what my original vision was, was to see it accessible for, I mean, because most people, I mean, they can afford that. They can, you know, ditch mm-hmm. the iPhone, whatever you want to do, just make it happen. Um, they can, if, if they want to make it happen, they can do it, but we'll be there. I, I think I floated the idea to you, Zach, that we could possibly record gut check podcasts over there. Um, and with, with the local flavor intact, you said maybe in the Valley of Elah. Yeah. Yeah. Or you could, you guys could do falafel reviews like the taco reviews. Oh, <laughs> uh, baby. I would love nothing more than a falafel review. <laughs> <laughs> on, on, 
because <laughs> we're because we'll be. I mean, nothing but the falafel review guy for the whole trip. I would I would do that. I don't know. Like we're gonna. I mean, I'm literally gonna introduce you as this is Ted, the falafel review guy. I'm and on. So it. each each, each day when we do our falafel lunches in the streets and all that, you know, we'll we'll make sure that you have say over over how that falafel played out for people. Zach, um, is there the is there the potential that you and I could go into some sad. Um, gas stations in Israel and review some Israeli energy drinks, dude. Yeah, with like dude, blowfish oh. venom in them or something. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and yeah. Get, like with with Hebrew lettering, so you have to like get out. Oh, to dude. Components. So we can't even read the copy, man. We've got to just. Yeah. I can read the copy. Who are you talking to over there? Oh uh, yeah, you can read the copy. <laughs> You're right. That's right. Zach's gonna be our. Ted's gonna be the falafel reviewer. Zach's gonna be the official translator. For all. It's just so long as it's words that are used in the uh, Pentateuch, I'm right, all set. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Actually, most of the time, I see I see stuff in Israel, and you see like a bag of chips, and you're like, "Ooh, Hebrew letters," uh, and you start sounding like Doritos. Oh, it just says Doritos. Yeah. You know, like... <laughs> yeah, that's right. Well, and that's the joke. Cliff, you went to seminary, right, man? You study Hebrew. Are you are you, are you versant over there? I, I it's been so. I did I did Hebrew in seminary, and I've completely forgotten every single aspect of it. You know, because <laughs> most guys it, do. It's, uh, <laughs> I was uh, and I, I was a lousy student, man. I got through it all, but boy, I, I'm way too um, let's go do stuff oriented than let's sit in class all day. So anyway, it, it was more uh-huh. um, I survived it instead of learned it, is what I should say. And but the nice thing about when you go over there is everyone speaks English, even when they say they don't, they do. So it's uh-huh. uh, they all take all the you know, all the Israeli students they take English for you know 12 years of school. Um, the, everyone over there knows that most of their tourists that are coming over there speak English. So that's, that's the joke about, we tell people to avoid getting, you know, scammed in the street is yes, that guy speaks English, even when he pretends like he doesn't <laughs> just, just, just stay on top of it. So, but you guys are gonna love it, man. I'm, I'm excited. Um, I was, I was, I'm so glad that you can make it. We're going to, we're going to have an incredible experience. I want to do this. I, I mean, if I, if the Lord gives me this, gives me this, uh, this heart's desire, we'll go several times a year from here on until I'm literally too old to board a plane so that's how much you're the until you're the old guy shuffling around in a linen shirt giving oh yeah giving (laughs) other affluent old people you know that's the end game here yeah Yeah. that's that's absolutely end game i want to you know hang up my my pen and my sword from all these other random things that we do and and just eventually care nothing for what i'm wearing and you know golf golf shirt with large black socks pulled up to my knees Mm. and shorts and and just (laughs) You know, shuffle around the top of Masada, pointing things out angrily to people. So that would you know, be... that sounds amazing. Let's all do that. <laughs> yeah, that's your future. That would be great. I'll um, take it. I'll take mm-hmm. it. Cliff, this has been a pleasure, my friend. Zach and I, uh, I know, are super appreciative to be uh, to be included and to be thought of for this. And um, yeah, man, just really stoked to see where all this goes and uh, to see some of those places in person. Awesome, man. It's if people are listening, you guys want to join us. It's um, the uh, the goodbattletours.com is the website. There's an itinerary and you can get a hold of us that way. And, and if you're if you're a gut check guy, mention that and I'll knock one dollar off the price for you. Mm, Just- there you go. Enter the promo code <laughs> gut check for a so, dollar off. Yeah. So so you so you you will know when you're there. You you paid less than all the other people there. You just you just did in principle because you're a gut check person. Deal. So, yeah, that yeah. is such a good deal, man. It's such an opportunity for members yeah. of the gut check army. Uh, right. It really pays. It really pays to be a part of this little tribe, man. This little community that we have going on here. So uh, you can't put a price tag on it. Oh wait, you can. One dollar. One dollar. I mean, you can get one dollar. It'll be it'll be seven forty nine instead of seven fifty. Let's do that. Mm. So <laughs> I love it. I love it. All right, it. guys. All right, Cliff. Thanks, Cliff. Take care, man. You bet. Take care.
baby, isn't it amazing to think that uh, that in a few short months we could be we could be together reviewing energy drinks, eating falafel, and probably lashing in Israel. We'll be doing some overseas lashing. <laughs> and speaking of lashing, you have a you have a little update to give us on some of your 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 lashing life. Um, what do you have going on, man? Tell us what you've been working on. Well, there's a couple things. One is I realized I have. I, I'm so entrenched in in lashing that I yeah. I do it without even noticing it. Mm. And what I mean is, um, I had a discussion going with uh, Crossway Books on Twitter yeah. about one of their Bibles. Okay. Uh, and and they used a term that was like uh, line matching, mm-hmm. and I I was like, what is line matching? And they explained it. Yeah. And uh, I said, oh, okay, I get it. I have one of those Bibles, and it's it's really neat. Yeah. Uh, and then one of our gut check army guys came in. I think it might have been Scotty McLean. Mm-hmm. Uh, and said, uh, "Oh, I have one of those too." And uh, which one do you have? Uh-huh. I explained that I have the like hipster, like raw uh, leather kind of deal yeah. with the flap that goes over the top, okay. and then a really long leather cord that wraps around it seven or eight times. Really? And he said, "Of course, you have the lashed model." Oh. And I thought, "Oh, I never. It didn't occur to me that I, I was drawn to the one that that is a self lashing Bible." Mm-hmm. Even in my even in my study of God's word, I'm lashing. Dude, you're always lashing. It's a it's a it's a lifestyle for you. It's like breathing to you. You know? But the other thing is it occurred to me, and this isn't this isn't full on lashing, this is tangential. Okay. But tell me if you think this is related okay. to to my, you know, kind of draw and, and my obsession with with lashing. Uh and, and that is that I have a tendency with every space that I'm kind of in control of, whether it's my office or my my kind of workshop workshop at home and stuff, I will and then now the smoke room at home, I will install as much like lighting, like like tasteful uh <laughs> shelf lighting, yeah, under shelf lighting. lighting. Yeah, like you know, like like little lamps, like small lamps. No, I, well, yeah, I've got a lot of that going on too. But I'm talking about like the strips of like LED lights that you put like up out of sight, and then they shine down oh, and illuminate yeah, yeah. like yeah. what what's beneath them. Yeah, and, and I do that, and and I have a tendency to set all that up so that there's a whole lot of of individual light sources, small individual light sources, mm-hmm. kind of glowing, uh, like like in my uh, den at home in the basement. Yeah, and and the way that you turn them on. Uh, one year, I bought a <laughs> one of those remote control things at about this time of year to yeah. turn on like the the lights out on the the Christmas lights on the porch and the Christmas tree and the the little gingerbread house. So sure. you hit one button on a remote control and they all go blink on. Yep. And I was like, dude, that that's not just for Christmas time. Mm. That's that's for all the time. And I bought like ten of them. Uh huh. So when I walk into my office here at the church, I push a remote control and like. Ten different shelves light up, and two little lamps come on, and then these little crosses light up, and there's all these. And, and, and the same thing at home. I hit a button, and like uh, the neon signs come on, uh-huh. and and you know all the, like the the Pastor Zach's basement sign comes on, and the now, exit sign. Now, were you were you the kind of like scummy small town guy in the '90s who had those like neon lights on the underside of his car? Do you know what I'm talking no. about? No. I would have wanted them though. I just I didn't I didn't invest in them. I did have the requisite like neon blue neon phone and blue neon like clock. Oh yeah, yeah. Remember the like the, the phone you can see through and see the components oh, inside. Oh yeah, those were great, dude. Those were. <laughs> I wish I had a show it on like phones that we had in the nineties. 
Um, yeah, right. We should football we're, phones. Yeah, were we talking about the football phone? Was that on the air or was that off the air? Nah, that was before when we were hearing the Casio sound. We were hearing the Casio the... pulsating sound, and I indicated to you that yeah, that I I had gotten the uh, as a premium as a Sports Illustrated subscriber. Um, I'd gotten the football phone, the little tiny uh, brown football that you you open up and then speak into the football, and it made that noise. <laughs> it's a great memory. It was. Worth the wait to make a call, though, right? Oh, well worth the wait. And by making a call, I mean I probably made a grand total of about three calls on that phone due to uh, the fact that it broke after a couple of weeks, but also due to the fact that um, I wasn't exactly cool back then, and I didn't have a, a <laughs> lot of people to call on the phone. Oh, you know? don't make me sad, dude. Nah, dude, it's true. Like, who are you gonna, you know, who are you going to talk to? Like, you see all your friends at school for like eight hours. You know, I used to call like I I was the kid who was always on the phone with my girlfriend, like Mm. for hours at a time. Really? Like I wouldn't barely see her in the flesh, but I'd be on the phone. You know, what were you guys talking about, man? Oh, you know, did you hang up? Did you hang up, et cetera? Mm, mm, Yeah, that's exciting. Would you would you like lay on the bed on your stomach and like uh, uh, kick my legs, your legs up and like like twirl the, (laughs) the, the cord of the phone around your finger? No, but that's what I was imagining her doing. Yeah, I know. That's super hot. <laughs> now, when you talk about me doing it, it's not hot, though, right? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I, I'm not, I'm not going to say it is or it isn't. <laughs> that's what I'm envisioning you doing now when we record. <laughs> kind of twirling the cord of the, of the blue snowball microphone around your finger. <laughs> I actually have a... I have a nineteen, I have a nineteen eighties nineties waterbed in my studio that I record on. I, I just lay on that on my stomach. Dude, whatever happened to waterbeds? Are they gone? Dude, now? I don't know. Did you have one as a kid? No, I always wanted one. Dude, I did. I had one for a few years. Did you? That's the dream, dude. Oh, it was. It was heavenly. It, it, did you get rid I of mean, it because you outgrew it, or because it like sprung a leak? No, because it sprung a leak. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. Nope. It sprung a leak, and then uh, and then that was the end of it. Like. Uh, I, don't, I don't remember the details, but I know that my dad like disassembled it and it was gone, and, and then I just had a standard bed. Uh, and you were like, you know, after living in such opulence, yeah, yeah, dude, it was, oh, it was tough. Sorry. It was tough to come back down to reality after that, but you know, <laughs> we, we survived. Baby, you know, when you've when you've been in an '80s waterbed, yeah, dude, if, if you were in an '80s waterbed in a room that had like paneling, but yeah. then like where the headboard would have been, there were like a bunch of mirrors that were like double sided taped to the wall in like a grid, <laughs> dude. You, you there's just, nowhere to go but down from there. You right? just described Harry Ellis's bedroom from Dive. <laughs> That's the thing. We put out a little APB on the program for someone uh, with with an architectural background to send us some. Some drawings, some sketches of what Harry Ellis's apartment would look like. Uh, to my knowledge, I have not seen those yet, but I'm sure they're in process. I'm sure they are. You'll, you'll probably have to choose between several, you know, and yeah. you'll get some mock-ups and, and such things. Maybe you know. speaking of Harry Ellis, tonight is going to be uh, – tonight is Die Hard Night for Tristan and myself. Oh, with Tristan? Yeah, yeah. So uh, I, I can report back on our next episode as to how that went and how the movie – um, kind of landed with him, but uh, I'm very excited about it. Uh, speaking of updates, how's the ear, baby? The ear—it's weird, man. It's like day to day, you know. Like yesterday, I had a—I had a really bad ear day, in which um, <laughs> I'm not laughing at your pain. No, I'm laughing at your phraseology in the studio. But um, <laughs> I had a bad ear day yesterday, where it was painful and and you know felt like it wasn't making progress. But today it feels a little bit better. So it's it's kind of up and down, man. 
Now, how did you rupture the eardrum? Well, I would love to be able to say that I ruptured it by diving into an icy pond to rescue a little boy who was trapped <laughs> yeah. into the ice. However, <laughs> I, I ruptured my eardrum by having uh, a semester-long ear infection that just never healed. So, wow. yeah, it's a little bit less glamorous. I know I need to work on the narrative a little bit uh, there, but, uh, but that's the story, man. Yeah, the ear infections have really bounced back with you, man. Like, I mean, I assume that, like me, you had a good number of them when you were, like, four or five. Yeah. Then it seems like you didn't have them for, like, 35 years, and then it seems like you started getting them again. I had a nice little 35-year run there, man, with no ear infections, <laughs> you know? And, and don't don't hear me saying that I'm not thankful for those 35 years. I mean, each <laughs> each each passing year, I thought, you know what, another one in the books without an ear infection. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's been good. Life has been up and down. The career has been up and down. But you know what? The one constant has been no ear infections until now. You know, speaking of careers going up and down, are we gonna are we gonna talk a little bit about uh, yeah a we, podcast that is? We sure are, Zach. I've uh, I've just ripped a story off the AP Newswire, which I have the ticker here, tape here in my studio. <laughs> you can hear the paper, you know, rumpling. Uh, I mean, teletype, yeah. ticker tapes, stocks. Yeah, yeah. It, was, it was a teletype machine. You know, I just I just went and ripped this story. And uh, and I'm going to I'm going to read a little bit of this to you. Um, this was written by uh, an acquaintance of, of both of ours uh, named Steve Altrogi, um, who is who is himself a little bit of a, a player in the in the media world. Uh, the title of the piece is called The Sad Demise of the Deconstructed Podcast. And this is an article that that uh, that Steve Altrogi wrote himself, um, which ran on his website. Uh, and I'm not going to read the article. Um, I've decided. <laughs> I, I've just decided that I'm not going to read all that it. build up, and then okay, all that build up because because that's the thing; it would be let down. I just read the first couple of paragraphs, like with my eyes, like to myself, and I, I made the decision on the fly not to read it on the program. But, Zach, let me give you the gist of, of the article, and then I want to get your reaction, okay? <laughs> from, a, from a Weberville standpoint, what is the article about? Um, here's the gist of the article. Troggs is no longer doing the podcast that he started with Ronnie Martin a few weeks ago. I, You know, I had no idea that was coming. Yeah, I know. I know. It's a blow. It's a shock, which is, I'm sure, why... He felt like he needed to get a, get in front of it from a PR standpoint um, and just go ahead and do the article, you know, put put any uh, any any bits of speculation and talk to rest on it. But um, do you have I mean, do you have thoughts in the wake of this? I know it's a blow. I know. I know. You know, it's, it's hard oh to process gosh. something like this. You know, Ted, do you believe in Providence? Uh, I do. Why? Because it just popped up on my screen a uh, uh, Skype. Ronnie Martin is now online. Mm. Wow. Boy, isn't isn't that something? You know. <laughs> what if we had two guests in one week, and we and we brought him in to, to let him uh, debrief and, and kind of just kind of talk to us, just kind of let him talk feeling his feelings about this. Yeah, and then as soon as it got awkward, we would just drop we the call. Could do that. Although, or we could not do not, it. Let's not do we it. We could not do it. Let's yeah. not do that. Boy, again, we're making we're making some some serious show related decisions just on the fly here today, man. Uh, but I like it. It kind of feels freewheeling, you know. This is our program. We can do whatever we want with it. And um, now, one thing that uh, one thing that the the article did indicate was that um, Trogues has some new podcast ideas in the hopper, and he's actually so. Ar- wait a minute. 
He's I'm sorry. To, I'm sorry. To, I, I really just need to make sure I heard that correctly and I can process it. Yeah. You're telling me not only did something that El Trogi started uh, like quickly burn itself out, uh-huh. but in addition to that, he's already starting another thing after it? That's what I've told you, and I know it's a lot. I mean, I, Zach, oh. listen, I don't expect you to, to, to really have the words this afternoon and to really be able to talk about this in a thoughtful way. Um, but I, I just want you to know this is a safe space to um, just kind of reconcile what you're hearing. Um, it's sort of like after Trump got elected, uh, students thought we should have canceled classes the next day so that they could grieve so that they could process, um, meaning lay in bed and watch Netflix all, all uh, morning and afternoon. But, um, I don't know. I, I just want this to be a similar safe space for you. Well, my thoughts are if, you know, is anything really, can I believe in anything in this world? If a podcast started by El Trogi is not, I know, boy, you, you, you bank on certain things. And, uh, yeah, I just feel really deflated. I feel really deconstructed, which was the name of his podcast, <laughs> actually. Now, I want to ask you a question. You're a media mogul. You're in the entertainment business, as am I. Um, could you speculate as to what the content of the new podcasts might be? I don't know. He, he may be, see, here's the thing with, with Trogues. It seems to be somewhat cyclical. Yeah. And I'm not diagnosing anything. I'm just saying it tends to be cyclical. And there was actually a day about a year and a half ago where I was scheduled to be interviewed on the second episode or maybe the first ever episode of this podcast he was going to start that was called like The Creators or something. And it was about like creative people. Uh, And like 10 minutes before... He uh, he just bailed. He's like, ah, I can't do it now. Uh-huh. And then later on, he was like, ah, I'm not doing it at all. Like, you know, me and my wife think I'm doing too many different things. Yeah. Um, and I think this is when he was on the happy rant still. Yeah. So it wouldn't it wouldn't really overly surprise me if this thing kind of resurrected itself and mm-hmm. came back around. Yeah, that's definitely a thing, man. It, it could it could definitely resurrect for sure. I could see that. Um, I'm trying to think through though. He's engaged pretty much all of my friends already on podcasts. So, like, who's left? You know what I mean? Has he ever talked to Cliff? I was just going to say that, man. Maybe he's in talks with Cliff. Maybe he'll be in Israel with <laughs> he's us. He's going to be in Israel. You're going to, like, buy a falafel from, like, a guy at, like, a, a corner stand, and then you're going to be eating it, and you're going to glance back, and you're going to see El Trogi there with, like, a little <laughs> pad being like, hey, will you will you write some articles for the Blazing Center? <laughs> Dude, Trogs will be in, an, in, like, an adjacent booth. Um, recording a podcast while while also eating a falafel. <laughs> We're going to climb the steps up into like the cathedral where John the Baptist's skull is. And, and oh wait, that's probably in like Europe. But you know, whatever. We're going to be in the the, the holy sepulcher. Yeah. And and you're going to look over and like in in the in the tomb itself. Oh, it's getting sacrilegious. Never mind. <laughs> okay, baby. <laughs> in, in Baby, you know what I'm excited about? What's that? This January, I get to teach a class on podcasting here at uh, here at Union, here at Union University, and I'm. It is about time someone recognizes your expertise in the area of podcasting, dude. I'm super stoked about this. Actually, all kidding aside, like uh, one of my one of my student writers approached me. Um, I don't know, sometime last year, and he goes, "Dude, could you um, could you teach a class on podcasting?" And I was like, "Oh man, nobody will take a, a class on podcasting." Uh, but I threw something together, man. I put together a syllabus. I, I got it approved by the powers that be. And uh, and lo and behold, we have this class. Now, something that 
that you may not remember. Maybe profs weren't doing this back uh, back when we were in college, but um, sometimes profs will make like a flyer, just like a one sheet um, thing, and they'll tack it up around campus to kind of try and promote, you know, getting people to take their class and getting people to. Oh, I've never heard of that. That's brilliant, though. Yeah, it is, man. And people do it around here, and I, I had never done it. Um, but I, I I got paranoid and I thought, oh, geez, nobody's going to take my podcasting class. Um, I better put together a flyer, right? And I, I I know so little about graphic design that I spent like five minutes. I did this thing in Word, Zach. And uh, and nothing what I, wrong with that. Yeah, what I did. Maybe we can get a get an image of this to put up with the show. I uh, I took Eddie Vedder's face, and Eddie Vedder okay. was like passionately crooning into a microphone, and I just wrote the words "cluck podcasting J term," and then like my email address. And, um, <laughs> and and I'm like, all right, there there it is. That'll suffice. And I put a few of those up. And uh, in this this last Friday, dude, I had a couple of a couple of guys. I was I was in my office at like 4:30, grading papers. I was just getting ready to go. I think I was even standing up. And I I had a knock on my door. And I opened the door, and there were like three mid-level administrators standing outside my door. These are guys who are like. I don't know, the head of enrollment, uh, some, guy, <laughs> some guy from like fundraising and then some guy from like the alumni office or whatever. Uh-huh. And they're all standing there kind of awkwardly. And these are all guys that like I'd met maybe one time, um, but we never really talked. And I'm like, hey, what's what's up, guys? And they made some like kind of awkward banter about, oh, we just stopped by to ask you about, you know, fantasy football. Ah, yuck, yuck. And then we stood there and looked at each other for a minute. And then I was like, no, no, really. Like, why did you guys come by? And they kind of look sheepish, and I look sheepish. And then they pointed to the flyer that was on my door, and they were like, oh, everybody's been talking about this flyer. We just wanted to come see it. So <laughs> so I pulled the flyer down off the door and gave it to them, and that was that. But apparently um, the flyer has been the topic of much conversation, and the class is full. Um, so awesome. I, yeah, shouldn't have, shouldn't have worried about uh, about getting enough kids. But, yeah, I'm super stoked about it, man. Now, as a faculty member, if you kind of put together a class like that and it's, you know, a third of the slots get full, does that like uh, harm your, you know, does you have a quota or something or does that mean you can't get a class next time or, or yeah, how does that yeah. work? So there is a quota and they call it like if the class doesn't get X number of kids in it, the class doesn't make. And like it basically for a J term. <laughs> I've, I've heard people refer to like little children like oh, I got to I got to make. That's why I laughed. Yeah, no, I know. It's it's very childlike. A lot of stuff in academia is childlike, Zach. You know, it's really weird, man. You know, one of my favorite things, I think we've mentioned this on the program. I love how academics will use the word office as a verb. Have we talked about this? <laughs> no, I don't think so. You must have been on the other podcast. Yeah, like, like oh, I office in the library, and oh, maybe one day we'll get to office next to each other, oh, which I just God. think is the most ridiculous, pretentious thing in the world. I love <laughs> it. It is pretentious. Oh, it's so pretentious, man. Um, anyway, what did you ask me? Oh yeah. So if you don't get X number of students, your class doesn't make. So then for like, like a J term class, which is like an extra, like little contract gig, um, you can still teach it, but it just cuts into like the amount of money that you get. Um, okay. So, but yeah, interesting. My, my class, so you you don't have to do a, a J term class or summer classes. That's, no. that's an, in addition to whatever you're really contracted to do. Exactly. Yeah. It's above and huh. beyond. Yeah. So so yeah, I try to make the J term classes fun and uh, make it something that you know that I'm really excited about. And usually they're super fun, man. I love J terms. Dude, walk me through the syllabus. Yeah, so what we're going to be doing, we're going to be talking about kind of the theory of 
you know, what makes for a good podcast? What makes a podcast successful? What makes it listenable? What makes it unique? Um, you know, a little bit about format. So what people are doing that's working well, um, you know, why they listen to the podcast they listen to. So uh, a lot of listening, a lot of discussing. Um, and then we actually have, we have a studio space here on campus that students can use. So um, kind of the final project of the class will be for um, each of them to, to actually create an episode of their own podcast. Are you going to play them any of this podcast? I am. Uh, nice. I am. I haven't decided which ep, though, so maybe you can help me uh, kind of nail down which episode um, I should share with them. Well, maybe you want to play a little Tacos. Yeah, Tacos, that's a, that's a crowd pleaser. Everybody loves that. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I, I wonder if maybe uh, when you talk about uh, co-hosting and how to, how to build your, your podcasting, you know, the kind of cast of your podcast, you might play a little... Um, happy rant with all trogues, and then yeah. happy rant with just you and Barnabas, and then happy rant with you and Ronnie, and see, you know, deconstruct that, if you will. <laughs> I, I will, I will. Um, yeah, that that would be interesting, wouldn't it? It's it's strange to me that there's been there's already been enough time on the happy rant that there's been several iterations of it, you know. Um, and there there are people who have been around since the very beginning of that thing, man. It's crazy. Just Barnabas, right? Well, yeah, and by people, I guess I meant like listeners. There have been listeners who. Oh, I see. I see. Yeah, I got you. that whole time. But uh, but yeah, Barnabas is really the he's really the only guy who's been around since the very very beginning. He's the Louis Weaver. Do you get that reference? Uh, I know who Louis Weaver is, but I I don't specifically get the reference. Louis Weaver being the the Mickey Mouse clothing wearing drummer for Petra. Oh yeah yeah yeah. There, see, there was a time at which the only uh, like original member of Petra was was Louis Weaver, and everybody else, you know, had had come in to replace somebody. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I knew I knew that I had um, I knew that I'd I'd heard that name. But uh, so what's what's the status of Petra now, man? Is it the who? What was the main guy's name? Well, the original one was Greg X Volts, yeah. and uh, then John Schlitt. That's the guy I'm replaced him. Of John Schlitt. Yeah. John Schlitt seems, I think that I've heard, it was either him or Rick Florian from Whiteheart, or both, now sells real estate. Uh-huh. Um, but I have I have John Schlitt's um, solo albums from the uh, late 90s. Really? Yeah, that was a very, like, you know how there are certain singers who, like, they can just keep on going? I mean, if you're Springsteen, you just keep singing the same way, and yeah. everyone keeps buying your records. Is John Schlitt one of those people? No, he's got a voice that is so era-specific. It couldn't mm. be anything but an 80s voice. That's you know what I mean? Bad, given that it's not the 80s anymore, and it hasn't been for a long time. And even in the Christian world, I mean, you could you could write an 80s voice well into the 90s in the Christian subculture, mm. but, you know, at some point, it's going gonna, it's gonna to sunset. Yeah, yeah. Baby, speaking of John Schlitt and things that are timeless, um, something something else that is timeless, and by that I mean it's constant, it's always with us, uh, is Gut Check Literacy Month. Man, we are a company that gives back. We're not just about taking. We're not just about commerce. Uh, we're about giving. And as such, uh, we have been reading out loud uh, from our hit Rapture novel, Re-Raptured. Uh, Re-Raptured is a rapture satire. It is available uh, through a little online boutique bookseller called Amazon.com. Um, so run over to Amazon. They need your business. We would like your business. And, uh, and, and buy yourself a copy of Re-Raptured. Um, this is a novel that we wrote by committee. So there were several of us at the table. And we are, we are kind of building toward the, the climax of the story here. So this is, uh, this is fun. Uh, we're ready for Chapter 30 which is called Feeling Moody. 
<laughs> I don't know who's going to read. You I thought you were going to read. Yeah, we didn't, okay. we didn't. We didn't go into that, did we? I believe. I believe I wrote this one. And what's and what we're at the end of is, uh, or, or what we're following up is last time when when uh, Alex tried to jump on the grenade to <laughs> save Kate, and and his wayfish form wasn't enough, and, oh. and she was taken out at the legs. Yeah. All right. <clears throat> Well, the heck with this, Max huffs, lamely chucking the grenade launcher to the ground. He stomps past Alex's remains in silent, angry shame <laughs> and plops to the turf on the sidelines, moping. He is filled, all nearly seven feet of him, with poison regret. What a zero he is. What a failure. First, he bombed at being a scientist, not just NASA, but rejected applications at the University of Colorado, the University of Phoenix, Denver Tech Prep, and the science department of Denver Alternative Junior High. (laughs) Now he's also failed as a hero, which he could have predicted since he's never heard of an action movie with a beanpole of a leading man whose superpowers were young Earth creationism and early 90s computer hacking. (laughs) Then he thinks of Duke Morrison. Who, is, who has wildly succeeded twice over, a big-shot jock and a respected academic, also with the ladies. Mm. So there's like three times over. In fact, all of his old yeah. friends seem to have, <laughs> quote, made it. Wiles is tenured, Sylvia is in the CIA, Ironsides is a famous pastor, Max is getting steamed now. This is precisely what he was afraid of, what he told Van Shrimpy that night. His greatest fear was that he'd go nowhere. I am a loser, he says out loud. A rube, a spazoid. <laughs> but you don't have to be. Rabbi Pastor stands confidently above him, backlit by the stadium lights, looking almost messianic. He is holding something in his outstretched hand. <sighs> what have you got there, Josh? Max asks, only half caring. This, Rabbi Pastor answers, waving the small object back and forth enticingly, is Van Shrimpy's answer to the ASFL homing device. This little bad boy turned a mediocre quarterback into a football god for the first quarter tonight. So? So did you know that I got my correspondence completion certificate from Bob Vanderlaan's rabbinic school? <laughs> Dude, that's the second Vanderlaan reference today. <laughs> what I are the it. odds of that? I know, and I love it. <laughs> I'm a certified mohel. A certified what? A mohel. It means I can perform religious circumcisions. Ideally. You mean a moil. Josh scoffs. Gentiles. This is all fascinating, Josh, but what's the point? The point? Well, if I have the precision to do that with a fidgeting infant's very sensitive skin, (laughs) surely I could implant this chip at the base of your brain. (laughs) He smiles broadly and taps his skull. Now, if only we knew someone with an expertise in computers and microchips and stuff who could rig up some sort of remote control... Then we could make a hero of you yet. Max struggles to his feet. Use me, he says earnestly. Um, you really feel for Max, you know? <laughs> Don't I know you, James Wiles asked Father Vincent. I think we've met. You work at the university, right? We did a fair trade slash inclusivity drive in the English department offices <laughs> last month. Dude, Vince. Love Vince. That's it. There's an awkward silence before he follows with, so, um, what are you doing here? I've been asking myself that question all night. You and me both, Professor Weil says. He glances at the growing number of riot gear clad security (laughs) personnel surrounding the field. I'm starting to worry that it's too late to leave. Hmm, you may have a, wait a minute. The priest, who had been holding a small cardboard box against his side, drops to a knee and rips it open. I don't know why I said rips it open, and opens it up, sifting through its contents. 
I've got a map of the substructure of this place in here somewhere, and I think we may be able to. What's that thing? This? Oh, blowgun. It's a long story. <laughs> oh, here it is. Schematic B. You can see there's access right over. Carol Ann suddenly sidles up next to Father Vince. Come here a minute, darling. My father wants to talk to you. The priest's face transforms into a paper mask of fear as Carol Ann drags him away, leaving the box behind. You're a bunch of amateurs, Sylvia shouts, snagging up the chain gun, pulling the thick canvas strap over her shoulder, and taking a bead on the smaller of the two silhouettes above the lights. She considers firing a short burst at the third figure, slowly climbing the tower, just to sight the weapon in, but decides that's not necessary. This is one of the few guns built for these distances, and she is, after all, the third best markswoman in the CIA. What a waste it was for her to eke away the hours in a modified food court underground. I'm feeling moody, she quips, yanking back the spring-loaded receiver lever. And now you're going to have to... Her cell phone rings loudly. Helen Reddy's I Am Woman. <laughs> Thoroughly ruining the moment, she curses and takes a moment to fish the phone from her pink vinyl purse at her feet. <laughs> the display reads, Van Shrimpy. Tipping the barrel of the massive gun against her shoulder, she takes the call. Got some memorable last words, old man? You never got around to telling your friends your greatest fear, the televangelist rasps, his voice a wind-burned mixture of glee and rage. She can hear the howling gusts picking up all around him. How do you... But you told me, remember? My greatest fear, you said, is that I won't be married with babies before I graduate. <laughs> tisk tisk. How do you say tisk 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 tisk? Yeah, I don't Whatever. know. <laughs> <laughs> Something like that? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> What would young Sylvia think of the dried-up, power-hungry career woman you've become? People change, but you haven't, have you? You still read Brides Magazine. You still want a purebred evangelical husband to give you a litter of kids you can homeschool. <laughs> and if you'll put down that gun, I can supply you with the most handsome, pious, famous evangelical hunk in the world. You can't mean yes, Van Shrimpy says. Strongbow will marry you if I give the order. She can barely hear Strongbow in the background asking, what does she look like? And, did you just call me a hunk? <laughs> You're forgetting one very important thing, Sylvia retorts. We're convinced Strongbow's the Antichrist. He's not, though, Van Shrimpy says. <laughs> I promise. Sylvia considers his argument, as well as Strongbow's pecs, butt, and facial stubble, and quickly decides that, for her purposes, he's probably not the Antichrist. Besides, even if his heart is set on becoming the man of lawlessness, once they're married, she'd straighten him out. <laughs> Let me make sure we understand each other, Sylvia says. If I lower this gun, you'll give me Strongbow, and you'll perform our wedding tonight, right up there above the lights for the whole world to see? Well, Van Shrimpy answers... <laughs> The thing is, I would, but I'm actually not ordained by a religious body recognized to solemnize marriages in the state of Colorado. Or any state, really. Just Puerto Rico and Guam. What? <laughs> Van Shrimpy hems and haws for a moment. I sort of, um, ordained myself. <laughs> You've got to be kidding me. I'm afraid not. I also gave myself all those honorary doctorates, but... <laughs> If you bring Ironsides up here with you, he can do the honors. Or better yet, bring Duke. Yeah, Duke's better. <laughs> Duke? Why? Because you don't have a marriage license. But that's not a problem with Duke, since head coaches have the same legal rights on their home field that ship's captains have at sea. You telling me Duke can marry us? 
Yeah, he can also incarcerate any ticket holder indefinitely, perform random body cavity searches on them, or declare them mentally incompetent. <laughs> it's a little-known statute. She gives the string of ammo a hard yank, intentionally jamming it in the feed, and lets the gun fall against her body, hanging from her frame by the canvas strap. You got a deal. I'm coming up. She ends the call and quickly composes an urgent text message to the clearinghouse in Langley using the secret CIA code she herself invented when she was a promising young agent with nowhere to go but up. Need chopper now. Stop. Lifeway Moody Amway Kilam High Stadium. Stop. Light stanchion. Stop. Two passengers. Stop. She smiles. Still nowhere to go but up, she thinks. Then stops short. Where the heck did Duke get off to? Duke got off to his sprawling office with the lovely, though injured, Kate Russell. When they arrived, he had dramatically cleared his desk with a single swipe of his lumberjack <laughs> arm, only to realize that it made way more sense to place the reporter on the leather sofa in the corner, where Duke regularly meditates on Proust, watches game film on his iPad, and plays Tim Van Drinky. But this is no game, not tonight. Well, there is a game tonight, but... <laughs> There's also this, which is totally not a game. Kate has been feeling unnervingly cold for the past ten minutes, but can't bring herself to say the words, I feel cold, while being carried away from an explosion by a muscular man. Too cliched. So she melts all the more all the more when he seems to read her thoughts and covers her in an officially licensed Denver Values fleece throw. She is further impressed by the way Duke takes stock of the situation, summons the team trainer, who turns out to be a licensed physician and Gulf War veteran, and alternately barks and follows orders until the shrapnel has been removed and the wounds cleaned and dressed. Kate is to keep her legs up until they can get her to a hospital, which may be a while as the stadium is currently in lockdown. Duke pulls the backup to his backup bottle of doers from the <laughs> secret compartment beneath his bottom desk drawer, Everybody in this book has not only a 9mm in one of their desk drawers, but a secret compartment with a flask in it. I know it, I know it. We should, we should really have doers <laughs> sponsoring this whole thing. You're right. From the secret compartment between his, beneath his bottom desk drawer, pours some into two tumblers and hands one to Kate. She feels like a teenager, sneaking her first drink when the sensation of fire going down her throat draws up a series of violent coughs which seemed to travel down her body and end up in her legs with a wave of swelling pain. The coach laughs briefly at the coughing and then quickly goes grim at the reminder <laughs> of her injuries. You look, you look like a total jerk when you laugh at someone's fresh shrapnel wounds, he realizes. <laughs> he's a really perceptive guy. Yeah, he's a good man. He really is. I guess we're stuck here for a little while, he says, leaning in and draining his own tumbler. I guess we are, she says. <laughs> Hoping her makeup still looks halfway decent despite the explosion. <laughs> <laughs> I can think of one thing for us to do while we wait, he says, eyebrows arching. And you can even keep your feet up. <laughs> oh, really? She smiles. <laughs> Their faces are just inches apart now. Absolutely, Duke says. Let me go get the tribulation maps. <laughs> oh, I see what happens. There, there was a little bit of innuendo in that scene in which... <laughs> We thought Duke was going to take it one way, and then he, he took it a completely different way. Because he's a stand-up guy. He is. He's not going to take advantage of a girl with shrapnel wounds who's yeah. in his office. You know? She's not a stand-up girl at the moment, is the she's thing. She's not. Yeah, she's, she's laying down. On account of the shrapnel, yeah. Yeah, on account of the shrapnel, exactly. <laughs> That's no reflection on her. I mean, let's, <laughs> let's be clear. 
<laughs> Dude, you know what I can't wait for us to do in my New Year's resolution? Start banging out the rest oh. of the, the sequel, because we're going to need it here soon. I know it. We've got to. It's time for our little publishing company to put out a new product, man. You're right about that. After the smashing success of the, the Gut Check Guide to Publishing, it's time for another. It is. It absolutely is. Well, baby, uh, this has been a great app, man. We've uh, we've wandered to and far throughout this thing, haven't we? We wandered to Israel and Utah. Wandered to Israel, wandered to Utah, wandered into Dynex Lifeway Amway Stadium. <laughs> wandered up the light stanchion. <laughs> wandered onto a live grenade. We, we've been all over the place on this program. And, uh, baby, we will see you next time. Good. Check.